Hello and welcome everybody to a very special 100th episode celebration of the Learn to Love podcast. There's no guest for this episode. There's no theme song. I just wanted to speak directly to you about all the things that we've learned over these many episodes with some really incredible guests. I also wanted to talk about a little bit about what has been missing and then fill it in with my own perspective on what it means to truly love the world. So first off, I want to thank you listeners for listening to the show. I do this for you. I do this for anyone in the world who feels called to better their relationships, to increase the love they have for themselves and others. And it's just been really heartwarming to see the response from you all. Over the course of many episodes, we've had over 100,000 listeners from over 140 countries. And when I saw that, I was just like, wow, this is a worldwide phenomenon. We have people all around the world listening in to better the relationships of where they are to help their communities, their partnerships, and their friendships. So thank you so much for listening to the show, for sharing the show, for liking the show, for reviewing the show. It really means so much to me, and I'm sure it means so much to the people around you that see how you have become a more loving person simply by listening to the show. And along with our listeners, of course, I want to thank all of our amazing guests you probably know that no one gets paid to come onto the show. All of my guests have taken time out of their busy professional lives to speak with us for an hour and to share their insight and wisdom that they have gained over years, sometimes decades of research and practice with couples and individuals in private practice and group therapy practice. So I hope you also appreciate the time that has been given by these amazing professionals. And I even know some of the listeners on the show have listened to some of the guests and then reach out to them individually to work with them one-on-one. -on -one. So for those of you that have reached out to the coaches and therapists and have become clients of these people, I really also want to thank you because that is a huge incentive for people to come on to the show is for them to increase their reach, increase their audience, and connect with folks that really resonate with their message. And that's one of the most beautiful things about the podcast is therapy can, can, can be kind of expensive. It's not financially viable for some of us to talk to and work with a therapist. So that's one of the huge reasons I love this podcast is because you get free resources, advice, and wisdom from really incredible professionals who have worked in the field for a very long time. So I really hope that you have gotten some incredible value from listening to the show. I know I have learned some really incredible things from all of my guests. Even before I started the show, I feel like I knew a lot about love, sex, intimacy, and relationships. I have been studying these things for over 10 years now, reading every book that I could find about relationships, going to grad school to get a master's in psychology, and of course, having my own personal love coaching practice. I felt like I knew a lot about love and relationships. But I myself have learned so much from my guests as well. 
Every guest has something new, something exciting to teach. What I found is that whenever I look for experts on love, is love is such a multifaceted, multidimensional, incredible, powerful force, emotion, way of seeing and way of living in the world that no one person is going to have all the knowledge that there is to know about love. So each person has their own really unique perspective based on the populations and research that they are working with. So I too have just found an incredible value from listening to all of my guests. And I even return back to some of the episodes that I have recorded to remind myself of some of the lessons that we were able to learn from these guests. And I wanted to talk about some of those really incredible lessons that we have learned over the last 99 episodes. And really for me, one of the biggest and most important lessons I have found is just a huge confirmation that love is the reason we are here on this planet. I had been thinking this for a long time, and it's been really incredible to receive that validation from all of our guests that indeed love is the reason we are here on this planet, that love is a source of meaning and joy and happiness in our life. We have had an extraordinary diversity of guests on the show, from coaches to therapists to authors to writers to educators and researchers. These guests come from all around the United States and even some other countries. Some of them live and work in big cities, some of them small towns. And it's really incredible that no matter who I talk to, whatever their background was, wherever they were speaking from, they all had the same message that if we want true, lasting happiness in our life, we need to look no further than love, connection, and belonging. As you know, I love to ask each guest at the end of my show, what is something you wish everyone knew about love? And here are some things that they said. It's free and it's the best gift you can give to somebody else. There's an endless supply. There's way more than we think and we have access to it. We always have. It's our birthright. That it's unlimited and that it's within them right now. So there's no shortage and you don't have to go anywhere to find it. I wish everybody knew how much it could feed you loving others caring for others. Love is innately possible to be experienced and expressed by everyone. That it starts with self. First, in all honesty, starts with loving yourself. It's a practice, not a thing. It's not an entity. It is a, it is a mm. constant unfolding of knowledge and of compassion and of learning. Now is the time really to start creating mm. the life you desire first then go get the love that you deserve. Don't settle. Life is too short to live unhappy. And there are wonderful people in our world that are looking for you. The work that you do from the time you fall in love and through the difficult times is what grows depth and value and quality of relationship with that person you love. Love isn't something you reach. Love is something that's in you, that's inherent. I really... I really do associate it with pleasure. And I think that if we prioritize pleasure in our lives, that self-love blossoms. Another huge lesson that I've learned from guests is that 
It's not necessarily about what you do, but how you do it. Many of us have been taught that communication is important in a relationship, but it's not just what you are communicating, but how you are communicating it. We've learned that compassion is more important than communication. We've learned that kindness is more important than honesty. Yes, honesty is crucial. You should never lie to your partner. But honesty will not get you very far without kindness. When we had the couples therapist, Lair Torrent, on the show, he said it's not about fighting, but how you fight. Are you fighting with criticism and blame and shame and name-calling? Or are you just having a simple disagreement and coming from a place of love and mutual connection? We've learned that emotional understanding is so crucial. We're not just communicating with our words. We can communicate with our emotions, with our body language. When the guest Patty Howell came on, she told us just how important empathy is, just how important it is to cultivate the capacity to know what it's like to be in the other person's shoes. We had a whole episode on validation with Michael Sorensen and how validation is not just something we get to use in our intimate partnerships, but also everywhere from our friendship to the workplace. So yes, communication is important, but it must be from a place of kindness, compassion, authenticity, and of course, love. And another huge piece that's come up on the podcast a lot is that we all have our own stuff, our own baggage that we bring into our relationships. Everyone comes into a relationship with a mix of being healed and still healing. So trauma is a big piece that's been coming up more and more with my guests on the podcast as we are learning more and more about how our early childhood trauma experiences dramatically affects our behavior as adults, affects the functioning of our nervous system. When we had the power couple, the Kedkodians, come on the show, they said that the goal of every relationship is not to be happy. The goal is to learn and to grow. And this has been coming up again and again and again, that your relationship is the perfect container for healing and growth. And successful relationships are those where two partners are committed to supporting each other through that growth. And sometimes it's frustrating when our partner doesn't seem to be growing or trying to grow as much as we are. But when Alexandra Stockwell came on, she even said that if you are annoyed by your partner's unwillingness to grow, guess what? That is your next opportunity for growth because accepting and validating our partners is so crucial. And our own stuff comes up even before a relationship. It can come up in our attempt to be in relationship and to find a partner. When we had the coach Roy Biancalana on, he pointed out that everybody wants love. We all need love in our life, but not everyone is emotionally ready for a loving partnership. 
So even before you enter into a loving partnership, you have to make sure that you are ready for love, that you know what baggage you are bringing into the relationship, what emotional wounding you are bringing into the relationship. Hopefully you can start working on yourself now by getting in touch with your emotions, getting in touch with your heart, understanding your own reactions to things, and always seeking to respond from any situation from a place of love, kindness, compassion, and understanding. So one of the biggest lessons that we've learned on the podcast is that the best thing you can do for your partner is work on yourself. And the best thing that your partner can do for you is work on themselves to take responsibility for your own emotional reactions, for your own trauma, for your own wounding, and communicate those things with your partner so that they can support you on your path. And those are just some of the lessons that we've learned on the podcast. And I encourage you to go back to any episode that you didn't listen to or that you might need to listen to again. I, of course, listen to my guests when I interview them, but then I listen to the interview again in the editing process, and I'm always surprised at how much more I learn the second time around or sometimes even the third time around because it does take some time for this information, for this wisdom to truly be integrated into your own behavior and way of being in relationship. So these episodes will be up for a long time and they can be an incredible resource for you in the future. Maybe right now you are looking for a partner, so you might look at the episodes we've had on dating, like with the dating coach Ruby Lay, who talked about why finding love can be so difficult, or Marie Twin, who talked about mindful dating. To when you're in a partnership, you can talk about what it looks like to keep the passion alive, to build secure attachment, to create conditions for growth, and whatever challenges that you encounter in your relationship, I hope to have a podcast to cover every single thing that can come up in relationships. So be sure to keep supporting the podcast. It takes a lot of work to edit these podcasts, to find guests, to prepare my interviews. And it costs money too, not only for the editing process, but also hosting the MP3s that allow you to download the podcast and the website hosting as well. So there's many ways to support the podcast, many of which don't require any financial investment at all. You can easily like, subscribe, and share the podcast on whatever podcast platform it is that you use to listen to the show. And you can also better your relationships and better your love while simultaneously supporting the show. You can go to the website, theheartcenter.com, and click on the bookstore and look at all of the books that have been written by all of our amazing guests. If you click on that link to the book, it will take you to Amazon and we get a little kickback there. Of course, you can always sign up for the Relationship Mastery course, a six-week do-it-yourself course that you can do online, also at the Heart Center. Definitely take a look if the Heart Center is doing any public programs or offerings like compassion cultivation training, like mindful self-compassion training that you can take. And if you're looking at who is the big person behind the podcast, it's me, Zach Beach. I also have my own work in the world. If you support my work, that can also help keep the podcast going. 
I have audio courses that you can do. I have books that you can purchase. I teach public classes, workshops, and trainings that you can join me either in California or or in different countries if I'm doing a retreat or a yoga teacher training. So if you support me, that will also help keep this podcast going. And of course, you can also keep the conversation going. You can go to Facebook, type in the Heart Center community page, join the Facebook group, start a conversation there. I post links to each podcast there, and that's a lovely time to comment below on what you thought about the podcast. And of course, I'm always looking for new guests. It's amazing that now the podcast has become more established, so more and more people are reaching out to me. But I'm also looking for guests that you, the listener, want to learn from and hear about. So if there's any guest suggestions that you have, feel free to let me know. You can comment on the podcast or post in the Facebook group. I know there are some really big names out there in the relationship and intimacy world. Oftentimes I'll reach out to these people and they'll say that my audience isn't quite big enough. So if you do know any of these people like John Gottman or Esther Perel or any of the big names out there, if you have any sort of connection, maybe you can reach out to them and say, hey, this podcast is really awesome. You can hop onto it. That would be so very much appreciated. And definitely let me know what you think about the podcast. I do this for you guys. So if there's any way to better meet your needs, definitely let me know. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there around love, sex, and relationships. So it warms my heart that you've listened to mine. I try to make it the best podcast I possibly can. I don't want it just to be a recorded conversation between two people, but I try to get right into the actionable items that you can use as soon as you finish listening in your relationships. So I really hope that intention just shines through in how the podcast is done. So I also wanted to talk about what has kind of been missing from this podcast. I've already mentioned we've had a wide diversity of speakers with a wide diversity of backgrounds talking about a litany of different topics. I try not to repeat any topic. And despite my best efforts, I do find there's been a few gaps in the content that we have on the podcast. You've probably noticed there's been a huge emphasis on romantic intimate sexual relationships between adults. This tends to be what most people think about when they think about love. Sometimes I meet new people in my own life and I tell them that my work in the world revolves around love. And they say something like, oh, I don't have any love in my life. I'm single. And it just breaks my heart to think that we have a myriad of loving relationships in our life. And to most people, love is just something they experience between one other person at one time that we call the romantic intimate relationship, which so easily discounts all the other relationships that we can bring love into in our life. Now, we have had a few really awesome episodes on parenting, for example. I don't want to discount those episodes. If you are a parent, be sure to check out those podcasts. But it has been hard for me to find somebody who can talk more about family love, about loving our own parents or loving our family members through thick and thin. 
And I know that for many of us, the relationship we have with our family is often the most challenging one. So with the overemphasis of romantic relationships, there hasn't been as much of a focus on loving our familial relationships or even cultivating and creating loving friendships. It's actually kind of funny because when I reached out to Dr. Kelly Flanagan to come onto the show, he had a book called True Companions. And I saw the title of the book and was so excited to find a book about friendship, about companionship love. Now, I love my interview with Kelly, so I encourage you to check it out. But only when he sent me the book and I started reading it did I realize that true companion simply refers to the idea that your intimate partner should also be a good friend, if not your best friend. So therefore, your intimate partnership is one of true companionship. So again, the episode was awesome. I'm really glad that he came on. But it just reflects how hard it is to find people who are focused on loving friendships. Now, we did have a wonderful episode on loving friendships with Stephanie Michelle. So that was episode 94, which was really wonderful. And I'm glad we were able to talk about that. So we have done a few episodes on friendships, a few episodes on parenting, but not as much as I would want. And we haven't had as much of an emphasis on loving relationships that go beyond intimate partnerships, friendships, and family, which to me is so crucial in our life to expand our circle of compassion, love, and understanding to all humans everywhere, not just people in our own country, but people in other countries, not just people we associate to be in our in-group, as a psychologist would say, but all beings everywhere. I think of myself as a very spiritual person, and to me, a huge part of the spiritual path is selfless service, is being in the service of others, which stems from a natural love and compassion for all beings. In Buddhism, this is known as the Bodhisattva path, a liberated being who has decided to spend their life in this incarnation helping others on the path of liberation, recognizing that we are all connected that we cannot be liberated from our own suffering until all beings are liberated from their suffering. But we see this across many religions and spiritualities, how important it is to help the needy, to support the poor. And again, we have had a few episodes on the show about this. One of my favorite ones was with Mary Doan on compassion through life and loss. Mary Doan works in hospice care and talks all about how we can be compassionate to quote unquote strangers who are at the end of their life. And to me, that level of service, that level of selfless service and compassion to all beings is so crucial to our loving path. So we can bring in love in so many ways, in so many different relationships that we have with other people. We can extend love to our family, to our friends, and to strangers. 
when Mother Teresa was asked how she was able to offer such love to people who were sick, people who were needy, she said that she just saw them as Jesus in disguise, as Jesus in a distressing disguise that, of course, needs our compassion. So that is another huge part of love for me is the act of selfless service, the act of helping others, particularly groups of people that are marginalized, that are oppressed, that are suffering under the perils of their government or the global capitalist system. There are so many people in this world that need help, and part of our love and compassion practice is one of expanding the circle of our compassion to touch all beings. So, There has been a huge emphasis on romantic relationships in the podcast, which again has been really incredible and really insightful. And those loving relationships do tend to be the most important ones in our life. But we can extend that love to more people, to family, to friends, to the people that need love the most. But beyond that, there has been another huge missing piece because we can extend our love to non human species and life as well, which to me is one of the biggest gaps that I have seen so far, which is what I want to talk about in this episode. Because by and large, the human species and humanity on a whole is at a precipice. We have two paths in front of us. The first path is business as usual, is continuing to do the things that we are doing right now, namely the complete destruction of the natural world that we are living in. Unfortunately, the global capitalist system that relies on continuous exponential growth is, quite frankly, destroying the planet. Our ever-increasing needs of consumption means ever-increasing rates of turning the natural resources that the earth provides into many of the things and objects that we use in our homes, but also that quickly ends up being in the landfill. And this is something that we simply cannot ignore. We have two paths in front of us. One of them is to continue the exploitation of the natural world, the destruction of the natural world, the pollution of our air and our water, the destruction of habitats and entire species, or put ourselves on a totally different path that requires a radical restructuring of our society and our way of life. And this is so much more than simply global warming, although that is an important piece of what is happening to the earth. Global warming is just one symptom of a system that is based on increasing patterns of consumption that simply the earth cannot keep up. 
our air and our water is getting increasingly polluted. Entire habitats are getting destroyed. Entire species have gone extinct. We are seeing increasing challenges around water scarcity, around heat waves in different places in the world that people simply cannot survive. We are seeing increasing desertification of different places in the world, increasing resource depletion. The list goes on and on of all the terrible things that are happening right now in the world to this natural world that we simply survive on for life. So as I mentioned, we have two paths before us. One path is continuing this process of endless destruction of this natural world. And the other one is to put ourselves on the path of a life-sustaining society. And this, to me, is the most important issue of our time, is the increasing environmental crisis that is perpetuated by our endless need for exponential continual growth. So human beings essentially have developed the capacity in the next few decades to destroy the world or to save it. And we have to radically restructure how it is that we do things in order to support a life-sustaining society. So the question is, how are we going to go about doing that? And if we want to know what we need to do, we have to first understand why we haven't done it in the first place. In other words, why is the average person so casual about wanton and endless environmental destruction? What is going through the heads of the corporations, of the oil companies, or the lithium mining companies, or the people who are clear-cutting the Amazon forest through burning it all down in order to make space for grassland for cows that then get butchered and sent to more developed countries? What is it in our mindset that we need to change in order to begin to save the world and in turn save ourselves, And the answer to me boils down to the illusion of separation. This belief that we humans are somehow separate from the world around us. This is the fundamental duality that is spoken of in spiritual and philosophical circles. This feeling this illusion that we are a subject caught up in an objective universe, that we are some conscious being that is distinctly different from the material. So the problem to me is the illusion of separation and the solution, of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that it is love. It is acknowledging a deep connection, a deep interconnection, interdependent connection of ourselves with the world around us. It is coming to a deep understanding that we are not separate from this world, but part of and part in it. If we are to save the world, we have to see that we ourselves are part of it. We have to see our kinship with both human and non-human life. 
It is this dissolving of separation that we find on the spiritual path, and it is this acknowledgement of our interconnectedness with the world around us that we see in so many indigenous perspectives. I was just recently in Tucson, Arizona, and I stopped by the Botanical Gardens, and there was a lovely sign with the perspective of Jefford Francisco of the Tohono O'odham people. And he said this, Perhaps the best way to describe the Tohono O'odham regard for plants is that we have a personal and spiritual relationship with them. That relationship is a central part of our culture and is a part of a broader connection with all living things. Our traditions teach us that we should be responsible caretakers of plants and animals guided by our dependence on and respect for other forms of life. And we see this fundamental teaching in so many different indigenous cultures and belief systems that have learned how to live a sustainable life for over 10,000 years. Before the Europeans came to the land that was now the United States, there was a wide variety of amazing peoples already living in harmony with the land for millennia. One book that I've recently gotten into is called Sacred Instructions, Indigenous Wisdom for Living Spirit-Based Change by Sherry Mitchell. And she reiterates that as Indigenous people, they are taught to live their lives in a balanced rhythm with the harmonic frequencies that surround them. So we can look towards other ways of life to gain inspiration for how we all might better live in harmony with the earth. To me, it involves the deeply spiritual path of dissolving the veils of illusion that keep us separate from the world around us, of seeing what Thich Nhat Hanh calls our interbeing, another term for interdependence, the recognition that we are not separate from the world, but inexorably and undeniably part of it and part in it to understand that we are already in eden this life is eden and we are its caretakers and that begins by loving the world by bringing a loving awareness to all the beauties that are around us so I also want to tell you about my latest project, my third poetry collection, which is simply entitled Pebbles. And Pebbles is all about the transformation that occurs when we do bring a mindful attention to this moment. Now, most people are familiar with this term mindfulness, which personally, I never quite resonated with it. Because mindfulness is not about the mind, it's about bringing our whole embodied attention to this moment, our entire multi-sensory experience to the here and now. So it's not mindfulness, it's heartfulness, it's loving awareness, it's feeling your body on this earth and feeling the earth supporting your body with every step it is that you take. 
So Pebbles is all about this interconnection that we have between nature and ourselves to dissolve the veils of illusion that we are somehow separate from the world around us and to cultivate a loving relationship with the world. And in so doing, we discover that the world has been loving us this entire time that we can love the world, and when we do, the world loves us back. So one of the poems goes like this. When you beg them to save the whales, drop to your knees crying over the mountains lost to loggers and rivers poisoned by miners, wondering why it never stops. Have you ever wondered if anyone will work to save what they do not love. And all of the poems in Pebbles are designed to be short and sweet, just like this one. But behind each and every word, there is an ocean of meaning that I hope my readers get in touch with. So even this short poem was inspired by many things, one of which was the Yanomami people of Brazil. There's a few amazing documentaries on this tribe. One is called The Last Forest. Another one is called Secrets of the Tribe. And part of the struggles of the Yanomami people reflects the overall struggles that we have as human beings in supporting and sustaining this earth that we live on. So the Yanomami people, they live in Brazil in the beautiful Amazon jungle, deeply connected to the natural world around them. And the modern world, the one that is so intent on taking the natural resources of this earth and converting them into things like iPhones and computers, we will travel to the far reaches of the world to extract these resources. So it happened a number of decades ago, and it's continuing to happen again, where certain people are discovering some gold in the soils of the earth where the Yanomami people live. And when you think of panning for gold, like during the gold rush in the United States, you might think of taking some you know, sieves and going to the water and just sieving through the water until you find gold. But this is not how gold mining happens nowadays. It involves first a clear cutting of the trees and a digging into the soil. And when you do this, when you search for gold in soil and in rock, you don't uncover just gold. You also uncover many other toxic metals that then go into the water. And of course, the Yanomami people rely on this water for their own sustenance. So the modern desire for extraction of minerals and other things from the natural world is literally poisoning these people. It's poisoning their waters. And it's also bringing disease to this population of people. So it happened a few decades ago and it happened again. So even the reference to Rivers poisoned by miners. This is real life. This is happening right now. And what is happening in Brazil and the clear cutting of the Amazon forests, which are often referred to as the lungs of the earth, it just breaks my heart every single day to know that this destruction is happening. And that's why I mentioned in this poem that you can drop to your knees crying at what is happening to the world. And if we look at why is this happening, 
The answer to me is the illusion of separation, is that we don't love this world. We see it as an object. We see it as materials that we are meant to put into a system of production. We live in a capitalist system that says an Ikea table is worth more than the tree that it came from. And if you are able to make $10 by cutting down the tree, that makes economic sense. It doesn't matter what the tree was doing to stabilize the soil or provide homes for all sorts of creatures. We have an emphasis on money and production and materialism that is destroying the world and it never stops. So to me, part of this illusion is to begin to love the world, to experience a deep connection to the world, to recognize that chopping down a tree is like chopping off your own arm. Killing an animal is like killing your own brother. By seeing our connection and kinship with all beings, we can in turn begin to change the path that we are on to a more life-sustaining future. And as I mentioned, this is a reciprocal relationship. So this poem is kind of like the sister poem to the poem that comes next, which goes like this. As mothers wrap lunches for their children, Mother Earth wraps her gifts too. Oranges in their peels, golden berries in their small delicate leaves given as freely as gentle rain. Tell me, will anyone work to save what they do not see as loving? And this poem to me is meant to exemplify, again, the loving, giving nature that we can ascribe to earth. You might know the term Pachamama or Madre Tierra or Mother Earth or perhaps just the word Gaia which is one way of anthropomorphizing this loving, kind, generous nature that the earth offers us. And it can be very easy to just objectify this process as just mechanistic, which to me is a distinctly Western view. But if instead we see this earth as a living, breathing creature, as a great mother, we will of course change our relationship to it. We can see the gifts that she offers us, this gentle rain that nourishes the earth. Because when you do look at the modern capitalist system, you see how most of it is just based off an exploitation of an ecological process that is happening. We have trees that are growing and we cut them down and turn them into houses and lumber. We have rain falling from the sky, which we catch in reservoirs and turn into dams. Everything that we say is part of a growing economy is simply commodifying that which is offered freely by the natural world. And we can see this generosity as part of a loving relationship and seek to love the world back. So this is one of the ultimate lessons for episode 100 of the Learn to Love podcast. I do believe that our next lesson is to learn to love this natural world, to fall in love with the trees and the grasslands and the birds and all of its creatures, and to seek to change our own behavior in a way that is more life-sustaining. 
And this doesn't happen from guilt or from shame or we don't turn vegetarian because we feel bad that we're eating an animal. We can convert to vegetarianism or veganism out of a love for all creatures. Now, that might be the lifestyle that works for you, but it might not, and that's okay. We can find all sorts of different ways to come to a harmonizing relationship with the world around us. So if you liked either of those poems, you want to learn more about interconnection, interdependence, mindful, loving awareness, be sure to check out Pebbles, my latest poetry collection that comes out on Amazon on June 1st. You can pre-order the Kindle version now. And probably by the time you listen to the podcast, it will be available. So definitely check that out by supporting me. You support this work. You support this podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you again from the bottom of my heart for listening to the show, for supporting the show, and continue to cultivate a loving awareness with everything it is that you do. So just do that for me. Just fall in love. Yes, fall in love with the world. Fall in love with yourself. Fall in love with the street lamp. Fall in love with the wind and the next person that you meet. In the words of Shinji Moon, fall in love so often you can't tell where you last left your heart. Fall in love with the sunset. You know, no sunset is ever the same. And every moment it changes. And that's what you are. Every moment different. A total unfolding uniqueness. In all the world, there was no one like you. In the millions of years that have passed and the millions of years to come, there will never be anyone exactly like you. So the fact of the matter is you are all that you have. So make yourself the most beautiful, tender, wonderful, fantastic, most loving person you can be, and then you will always survive. Thank you. Take care.